You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. And thank you again for being here. Welcome to the Gateway Church. We're so glad that you're here. We want to say thank you for joining us. We are here to glorify God, and God is good. You know, I was thinking Easter is kind of like Mount Everest if you were a mountain climber. Easter is like the Great Barrier Reef if you were into scuba diving. Easter is like the Tour de France if you're a cyclist. And by the way, I like all three of those things. That's why I picked those things. Easter is the Super Bowl of the church, isn't it? It's a Super Bowl Sunday. And I like these things. And what we're celebrating today affects the rest of the year. We are serving and we are worshiping this morning a risen Savior. Now, our focus this morning is going to be in the Gospel of John. And many of you have been tracking with us. Uh, we're taking one chapter a week through the Gospel of John. And today we're going to end up in John 13. And it's interesting that as we laid this out, even back in December when we were looking ahead, we knew that we were going to be in John chapter 13 on Easter. And I believe that it's God-ordained. I believe that God has planned it this way, and we've been excited to talk about what is in John 13. Now, at this point in the Gospel of John, we're experiencing a Super Bowl event. Less than 24 hours away from the cross is where we are. We find ourselves in John 13. It's at the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is an iconic event. Wood carvings are created to kind of depict the Last Supper. There are sculptures that are made. There are drawings that are rendered, all pointing to the Last Supper. It's interesting that the other gospel writers take much less time with the Last Supper discourse. But John, in his gospel, he takes five chapters and talks about what happens in the book, or in, in the, that season, um, in those events. And these events and the words spoken at the Last Supper, they really are like a pregame speech. And it's interesting. They're Jesus' final words. It's his final actions before he's nailed on the cross. And I was thinking about it. Man, if I were Jesus, and this was the last time I was going to see the guys, my disciples, all the crowds had gone at this point. The public ministry is done. There are no more miracles to be performed, at least not recorded in Scripture. Uh, he's been abandoned by the masses, and now he's just with a few of his disciples. I was thinking about it. What would I do, or what would I say if I were in Jesus' shoes? Now, bear with me. I'm not Jesus, but this is what I thought. I thought, man, in that setting, I would come up with one last brain-melting miracle. Wouldn't that be great? Or I would, maybe I would levitate myself as I spoke, you know, to the, I mean, Jesus could do anything, right? Or create fireworks or set off some sort of uh, electric bomb or something. I would create my best sermon, my final speech, and I would bring it to the guys, right? But instead, what Jesus does is unthinkable. And then he follows it up with a new command that no one saw coming. In John chapter 12, we'll pause here for a moment. In last week, we studied John 12, 
Jesus anointed, or he was anointed, and Mary washed Jesus' feet with her hair. And I know what you're thinking. If you weren't here, you're thinking, boy, I, did he say that she, he, she washed his feet with her hair? Well, it's true. You can listen online or you can read it in John chapter 12. It's a crazy story. But now in John 13, just after Jesus, his feet were washed, he now washes his disciples' feet. It's interesting. Jesus puts himself in the place of a slave. And not just any slave. From what I understand, not even Jewish slaves would do what Jesus did. It was only for the Gentile slaves. They were the ones that would wash feet. It was common in that age to do that. And in John 13 here, they show up to the upper room, or to this Last Supper, and Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Now, for our time, we're going to string together a few verses found in John 13. Something that's been brewing in my heart over the last uh, several months in preparing for today. And I want to start in John 13, verse number 1. Turn with me there. And we're going to look at a few verses. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the, this world and go to the Father. Well, let me just pause here for a moment. As we've tracked through John's gospel, in John chapter 2, Jesus said, My time has not come. In John chapter 4, he said, My time has not come. At a few different other times. But here, it's recognizing that the hour, not only the day, but the hours have come for Jesus to leave this world and go to his Father. It was his time to be glorified. And Jesus understood when he said it was the last hour, that within the next 18 hours, Jesus would be falsely accused. He would be betrayed. He would have an unjust trial, actually several of them. He would suffer to the nth degree. He would be tortured. He would have the sins of the world placed on his shoulders. And he understood that. So when it says there that it was his time to leave, he knew exactly what that meant. Let's continue. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. Now I want to pause here for a second. That little phrase, actually in the old NIV, is which I was studying back in December, you know, and I was preparing for this, it says this, now he showed them the full extent of his love. And that little phrase has captured my heart and my mind, and I believe is, there's a word here for us in this. He goes on, he washes his disciples' feet, he, uh, if you go down to verse 12, it says, Now he has finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to the table. And he asked them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so. That is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should go and wash one another's feet. Interesting. Verse 15 says, I have set you an example that you should do. Everybody say do. Do as I have done for you. Verse 16, I truly tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed again if you do these things. Two more verses in verse 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will, will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I don't normally name my messages, especially when I preach more expository uh, through the book of John or through a different uh, through Scripture. 
But I wanted to title this sermon, Love Does. Because what we're going to see is that over and over, we see that love, Jesus, he is an action-oriented guy. He is giving of himself. Love does. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that you'd capture our hearts, capture our minds. God, that you would just use me and you'd use uh, everything that's happening today to bring you glory. I pray that hearts would be uh, just drawn to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love does. I want to talk about love for just a moment here. Jesus' actions and his words in the last 24 hours are so significant to us this morning. He demonstrated his love at the Last Supper. And it was a foretaste of his final sacrifice, giving his life. He washed the feet of his disciples. He gave a new command. And it was all pointing to the cross. It was rooted in love. You probably heard the verse, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But it's interesting that not only was God loving, and Jesus, of course, was love, but we are called to love as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you turn there with me, it, there's a great verse here that the men of the church, uh, we have actually studied this a few times. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says this, says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. That's what a man of God should be. But in verse 14, it says, do everything in love. Do everything in love. This is Paul's encouragement. This is a consistent message throughout the New Testament. But this is not just some sort of uh, love that's uh, here and there and uh, shallow type of love. It's not an eros type of love in the Greek where it's kind of erotic or passionate, kind of quick. No, it's not even a phileo love, which is like a brotherly love, like I love you, brother, right? This is talking about agape love. And agape love is a God type of love. It's so rare. And when we talk about an agape love, I like it to describe it like this, that it's you before me always. And again, it's so rare. It's giving with the thought of not receiving ever. It's giving because it's the right thing to do. It's, because, it's giving because it's glorious and it brings glory to God. Or it's giving as an evidence of love. And again, it's so rare. Let me give you a couple examples. If we're talking about this uh, agape type of love, and if I were to love the church, if I was to love you, the, the, the church, it would be like this. If I'm going to love this church, it's you before me always. If I was to love my wife, Jessica, if I'm going to love her well, it's Jessica before Ben always. If I'm going to love my kids, or if you've got grandkids, or if we're going to love our coworkers, or if we're going to love our friends, or our, you know, our neighbors, whatever the case, with God's love, it's always you before me. And it's supernatural. It's a giving, and it's glorious, and it's challenging, and it's hard, and it's, it's incredible. 
The opposite of it is actually quite scary. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says that if we don't have this kind of love, we are like a resounding gong, boom, right? Or a clanging cymbal. It, it says that you're nothing without that kind of love, or you gain nothing. And church, what I want us to see this morning is that love is what sets us apart as Christ followers. If you've accepted Jesus, it's love. It's not our worship that sets us apart, although we enjoy great worship. And, uh, and, and boy, this morning was especially exciting, wasn't it? How awesome, right? Or we don't, it's not good preaching that, that sets us apart, although we enjoy good preaching. I wish we had a little more of that here, right? <laughs> it's not our facilities. It's not having good PowerPoints or a good introduction when you walk in. It's love that sets us apart. And we must be known by our love. And I love it that Jesus, he sets the example. He shows us. In John 13, verse 1, it says, he loved to the very end. Or this idea, the full extent of his love. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2 as well. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles with you. Philippians chapter 2, it says, in your relationship with one another, that's amongst believers it says you must have the same mindset as jesus christ now this is, is, is this is jesus example who being the very nature of god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and then listen to this verse 8 and he being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself became obedient even to death, even to death on the cross. Now, I don't want to take it for granted that you know the Easter story. In John's gospel, it progresses from John 13, which is the upper room or the Last Supper. If you fast forward to John chapter 18, Jesus is arrested. He's denied by his own uh, followers. He's on trial. He's sentenced to death. John chapter 19, he's crucified, he's dead on the cross, he's buried in the ground. But John chapter 20, we got to keep on reading, because by John chapter 20, he is risen from the grave. There's an empty tomb. He's no longer there. We see firsthand what Pastor Pete preached on a couple weeks ago, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. And when we look at this story, Easter, what we see is action. We see Jesus at work, and it's a consistent message throughout the New Testament. If we recap John 13, it's interesting that in that Last Supper time, the disciples are arguing about who was going to be the greatest. It's interesting. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20 because Jesus has already kind of redescribed who's going to be great in the kingdom. He says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, he says, whoever wants to become great among you must become the servant, right? And whoever wants to be the first must be the slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus did. He laid it all down. Love does. He 
did it for you. Love does. Back to John chapter 13, verse 1. It says he now gave the full extent of his love. In verse 15 of John 13, it says, I have now set you an example that you should do, right, as I have done for you. Verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And this is not easy. Of course, the new commandment, verse 34, now that you would love one another. I believe what Jesus is doing in this case, in John 13, Jesus is activating his disciples. He's mobilizing them. He's giving them an example. And he did not want any of his disciples to miss it. But it's interesting that if you continue to read in John chapter 13 there, uh, John, Jesus gives this new commandment, and then Peter totally changed the subject. He says, Lord, where are you going? It totally went right over his head. And the reality is you could experience Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, and it could go right over your head. And you could miss it, but I'm praying that it doesn't. Because what we're seeing this morning is that love is demonstrated. Love is action. Love is in the foot washing. Love is in the command to love one another. The idea that love does. Love always demonstrates itself. And the reason behind that really comes down to something that we talk about a lot here. It's to reach one more. We talk about living out our mission here to attend faithfully on Sunday mornings. And you guys are doing a great job with that this morning. Talk about serving in the church or, or uh, connecting with each other. And then we talk about connecting with the world. And the reason we do these things is not for ourselves. It's to reach one more, to make sure one more goes to heaven instead of spending eternity away from Jesus. I really like what J. Vernon, Vernon McGee said about this. He's a commentary that wrote about these verses. I used to listen to this guy on the radio when I was a kid. And it says, uh, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. And he says this, now friends, I believe in being fundamental in the faith. I believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God, in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's going on here and he's saying, look, I believe in doctrine. I believe that that's important, right? He says, I believe that he died on the cross and he, for, he died for our sins, that he died a substitutionary, vicarious death for the sins of the world. You may have heard some of these terms before. I believe he was raised bodily and ascended back into heaven and that he is coming personally to take his church out of the world but i want to say this and this is j vernon mcgee and he says i want to say it very carefully believing those things does not convince the unsaved world outside good doctrine is not going to save anybody and then he goes on he says the world is dying for just a little love. Jesus said that his disciples are to be known by their love. Why? To reach one more. So the question this morning is, what will I be known by? Or what will you be known by? What will we be known by? And for me, I don't know about you, I need a kick in the pants sometimes. I need to be activated. I want to be the guy that loves. 
Uh, but I often will say, how do I do that or what tools? How do I get activated? And I want to say first that you get activated by reading the Word of God. If you struggle with love or if you've missed opportunities to love or if you want to love your neighbor or your son or your daughter or you want to love your spouse or you want to love your boss or your friend or whoever, you start with the Word of God and you look to Jesus' example. And it's, it's right there. And we follow His example and it will help us to love. But there's another tool that I want to introduce you to that has blessed me over the past five years since I read it first. It's given me inspiration. It's given me confirmation. It's given me ideas. It has stirred my mind. It's challenged me. When I've asked myself the question, what will I be known by, I look to a great little book called Love Does. Now, it's an interesting book. It's about an inspiring guy, full of adventures, and the book is called Love Does. And in the beginning of the book, there's a foreword by a friend of his called Donald Miller. And Donald Miller is a great author. He's wrote the book uh, Blue Like Jazz and a few other books. And uh, and he talks about his friend Bob Goff. Bob Goff is the the author of Love Does. And I've asked Jessica to come and to read uh, this forward just to kind of whet your appetite to see if this is a book that you might be interested in. Go ahead and read it, baby. Bob Goff has had a greater impact on my life than any person I've known. And while you'll read stories in this book about adventures, both big and small, it isn't bears or witch doctors or dynamite that got through to me, though I confess Bob's adventures are intoxicating. The reason Bob has impacted my life is because he loves me. Bob Goff loves people with a force that is natural, and by natural I mean like nature, like a waterfall or wind or waves on the ocean. He loves effortlessly as though love packs annually in snow on a mountain, melting and rushing through him in an infinite loop. There's no explanation for a man who can love this well, save God. I think Bob Goff knows God, and I think God's love flows through him. I'm not alone in these sentiments. There are many around the world who have experienced the same love. What do you do with a man who will get on a plane and fly around the world to attend the wedding of a new acquaintance? What do you do with a man who offices at Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland because angry lawyers are less likely to yell at him there? And for that matter, what do you do with a lawyer whose business card simply reads, helper? What do you do with a man who worked for two years to free a child from a prison in Uganda, all because I met the kid and asked him to? How do you explain the fact that he lumbers pajama clad into his garden every morning to find a rose for his sleeping wife? And then there's the old lady who ran into his Jeep, sending his body flying into the street to whom he also sent flowers. There's the DC diplomats, the new acquaintances to whom he daily sent pizza for a week, the Ugandan judiciary that he took to Disneyland, and the refugee camp outside Gulu where he dug wells and delivered pounds and pounds of clothes. I don't know how to explain Bob's love except to say it is utterly and delightfully devastating. You simply cannot live the same once you know him. He will wreck your American dream and help you find your actual dream. He will wreck your crappy marriage and help you find a love story. To know Bob is to have a facade you've spent your life maintaining beautifully strewn to ruins while 
Like a friend, he comes alongside you as you rebuild. Bob has offered to get on a plane on my day of trouble, called exactly when I needed him to, and spoke a word of truth when I was being bombarded with lies, given me a family, given me a home, given me a vision for what can happen in a person's life when they are devoted to giving it away. This book will be troubling for some. We don't like to put hands and feet on love. When love is a theory, it's safe. It's free of risk. But love in the brain changes nothing. Bob believes that love is too beautiful a concept to keep locked up behind a forehead like a prison. Prisoner. Those I've introduced Bob to, and there have been many, find it hard to put into words what is different about him. But the title of this book says it all. Where you and I may want love and feel love and say love, Bob reminds us that love does things. It writes a letter and gets on a plane. It orders pizza and jumps in a lake. It hugs and prays and cries and sings. Much of what we've come to know and believe about love doesn't ring true once you know this man whose love does. What a privilege to introduce you to my friend, Bob Goff. Sincerely, Donald Miller. Cool. You say, well, why do we read that forward? Well, when I read John 13:1 back in December, and I was praying and just asking the Lord for kind of what was next, I knew it was going to be right around Easter time. And it, the, the verse that just popped out was, he now showed the full extent of his love. I thought of this book. I've read this book probably five times over the last five years, and it has impacted me in this area of showing love more than any other book. It's one of my top three all-time favorite books. And we've secured a copy for you today at the end of service if you'll read it. We want you to take it if you'll read it, and we'll talk about that more. But it's not about Bob Goff, and it's, we, I just wanted to read that forward just to kind of inspire you, to kind of wet your whistle maybe. The phrase that Donald Miller said, he said, the reason Bob has impacted my life is because he loves me. I think about that. And I think about, can I make an impact in someone else's life? The only way is if we love one another. It's our love that makes the impact. And again, it's not about Bob Goff. It's all about Jesus. It's Jesus who wants to activate us to a place of love. And this morning, this Easter message is really a simple message of exactly that, love. John 3.16, it boils down, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you. He loved you, and he's pursuing you. He lived a sinless life. He died a perfect death. He was raised from the grave. And my question to you this morning, have you experienced the love of Jesus? Have you experienced his forgiveness? The reality is that Jesus, he's calling us. He's pursuing us. He loves us enough. He never stops until we say yes. And this morning, we want to set our hearts before him. There's a great song, and there's a part that says, Jesus is calling, 
and he's calling you this morning. And Pastor Bobby, if you would lead us in this song, just set our hearts before him, and then we'll be back here in just a moment. Jesus is calling. So as I mentioned this morning, that this is a simple message of love. And the question is, have you experienced the full extent of Jesus' love? Have you been forgiven? And please know he's been calling your name. And I believe that for many today, it's the day of salvation. Let me just explain quickly what that means. In the Bible, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't have to convince you that you're a sinner. Everyone here, we know we do things wrong. We mess up. But I don't know if you knew this, that the Bible also says that you cannot enter into heaven unless your sins are forgiven. There's no sin in heaven. You're saying, okay, if I'm a sinner, there's no sin in heaven, how do I get to heaven, right? Well, it's simple. Jesus, he paid for your sin with his shed blood. When he was on the cross, he paid it all for you. And he took your place. Where you deserve death and destruction, he took it instead. And it's a free gift, and he offers it to each and every one of us. I'm curious this morning, as we are here in this moment, I'm wondering how many here would say, Pastor Ben, I have accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, and if I died today, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I would go to heaven. I want you to see your hand. Yeah, all right, all right, lots of hands. Wow. All right, you can put your hands down. Or some that weren't able to raise your hand. Or maybe you raised your hand and you're saying, I'm not sure, but I better raise it, right? Well, listen, you can know for sure. And we want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you're ready to receive the full extent of his love, I want you just to lift your hand right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. To who second service? There are several first service. I believe there's some this service as well. Who needs forgiveness this morning? Who here this morning needs Jesus? Yeah. I'm just going to ask you to be bold and turn to your neighbor and just ask him, do you need the love of Jesus today? in your life. Just turn to your neighbor, and if they say yes, I want you just to encourage them just to raise their hand so I can see just quickly. Do you need the love of Jesus? Who here this morning, second service, needs forgiveness in that way, salvation? Anyone at all? Okay. All right. I don't see any hands. We've been praying for you. Whether you raised your hand or you're not, in just a moment, if you need that kind of forgiveness, we're going to encourage you to do what this song says to come to the altar. But let me just address the believers in the house, and maybe that's the rest of us. If you're here this morning, and you hear this great story of love, and you're saying, man, I want my life to be reflecting this type of love. I need to be activated. If you're here this morning, you're saying, man, I just need to be activated to love more. I want you just to raise your hand. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And if you raised your hand, I'm going to encourage you, along with others that maybe didn't raise their hands, I'm going to ask that you would be bold. And as we respond to this song again, would you come and would you find the grace that you need? This is Nanabe. Come on up here, Nanabe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... Nanabe was back with the kids this morning, and she said, in between services, she said, at the altar time, I was back in the back. I almost interrupted you, but I didn't want to, but she did now. <laughs> so we got a big drop of blood right up here, right? And when it hits, what it represents is the grace of Jesus. Isn't that cool? That's what our kids learned this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely good. I love that. And we're, we're continuously under this umbrella of grace, continuously. We're continuously being washed by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Your sins are continuously, if you have Jesus in your heart, so you definitely want to have Jesus in your heart so you can be continuously washed. Praise God. Absolutely. Thanks, Nanabe. <laughs> That's fun. That's cool. That's a good visual representation of what happens. We're covered. We're covered with the blood of Jesus. So, if you want to be activated, I'm going to encourage that you would follow the encouragement of this song to come to the altar. Pastor Bobby, continue to lead us, and then we'll come back and close here momentarily. Praise your name. Praise your name. I'm just going to pause here for a moment. Didn't do this first service, but I just sense that there are some here that just really need the Lord to surround them and the love of Jesus, that, that you need to feel that this morning. And uh, if that's you in particular, I certainly don't want to embarrass you, but would you just lift your hands, and maybe you're already here forward or not. Uh, if there's a few of you that just, yeah, absolutely, just raise your hand where we can see. I want to just encourage um, Jessica, if you could slide over and just put your hand around, or maybe maybe we just put our hand around somebody that's close to us and pray. And uh, Marlene, right behind you to your left for sure. Uh, you need the love of the Lord just to surround you today. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, oh God, he's here. His love is great. It's so amazing. Let's just pray for these that are just experiencing this in the moment. Lord, I pray right now before we end this service, God, that you would just capture our hearts. God, that you would do the unbelievable thing. You would love us again to the very end. You would show the full extent of your love right now in words with, uh, from your word of God, but also with action, with a hand surrounded us. And God, I pray that you would just, just minister. Do what only you can do, God. Touch those brokenhearted. Touch those that are hurting. Touch those that are away from you, God, I pray. And God, just, just overwhelm each of us with your love. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those that responded saying, man, I need to be activated. Come on, how our lives should display the love of Jesus. That is not easy. And for those of us that are recognizing, saying, boy, I need to be activated, I just pray that you would be activated in Jesus' name, that the love of Jesus would just ooze from 
every pore of your body, and that it would make the difference in people's lives. And I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us, God, that you would help us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Amen. One last thing. We mentioned about this book, Love Does. If you're wanting to be activated, I can't think of a better resource other than the Word of God that will do it. Seriously. And if you will, if you will read this book, there's a free copy for you on the back table. And we want you to take it. And we want it to make a difference. Don't take it if you're just going to put it on the shelf. But if you'll read it, take it, enjoy it, and, uh, and let it be a blessing to you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for being with us Easter 2017. And hope to see all of you next Sunday as we look at John 14. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.